Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Delta, are you ready? I am ready. Excellent. Well, I'm ready. The people are ready. looking forward to this. Yes. Thank you. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grombacher. Delta Emerson is the founder and principal of Can You Hear Us? She is a consultant speaker who's focused on creating great culture that attracts and retains top talent. I'm excited to have you on. Delta, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. George, thank you for having me. I appreciate this opportunity. It's a topic I love to talk about. And on the personal side, I am I live in Denver. I'm a native Texan and recently relocated here to be closer to my daughter. Our husband and I have an she's an only child and she's a millennial and fell in love with a, a native in Denver and um, we're just really happy to be here. So I left corporate life about two years ago and started my own consulting practice that focuses on the people side of the business equation. And I had the opportunity with a company that I worked with for 13 years, my last gig, so to speak, to transform a culture from one that's considered draconian to one that is very progressive on the culture side to the point that it now has made the fortune right place to work list in multiple countries, multiple years in a row, and is um, a thought after company. So, I focused, I decided when I left corporate, when I made that decision, I I had responsibility for a lot more than HR, but I really want to focus my energies on working with leaders and companies that really get that, that if you focus on culture and do the right things, it impacts the bottom line. So my focus right now is on making sure that companies that I work with have articulated what their culture is, what kind of environment they want to create, that they're really good at hiring people. Uh, in a in a deliberate way where there's a good fit, that they teach their people who are managers to lead effectively. So I do a lot of personal development coaching. I do some work with strategy as well, but really I focus on all the pieces that are not directly tied to the bottom line, but indirectly um, and that, that can make a company successful. And the reason I do that is I have lived the, and learned that engaged employees impact the bottom line of the companies they work for, in addition to the well-being of everyone whose lives they touch. So companies that get that and create an environment that is conducive to that, it's a win-win for them. And I really believe that an organization's sustained success rests on the culture and the work environment that it creates. And it takes the same kind of focused discipline and the attention that you need to build your products and create your service lines to create the culture that you want to make those work. They'll reduce turnover, employees will be engaged, clients will be happy, and your bottom line will profit. Oh, I love it. And everything you just said seems seems pretty clear to me, and it seems, I don't want to call it obvious, but but that's just not the case, right? For the longest time, and maybe even today, a lot of companies are not focusing on this. How, how, how long, how long do you think it's been that, 
that, that the light bulb sort of turned on for organizations. And they said, you know what? I think that if our employees are really more engaged, it's going to mean more money. I think that in the last, I'd say starting 10 years or so ago, I really believe when the recession, what we call the Great Recession now, happened in 2008 or so, it really caused companies to get introspective. Turnover dipped at that point in most companies because of the situation we were in. People were not moving around. They were, if they had jobs, they were mostly staying in place. And so a lot of companies had realized, I think, this is kind of a false comfort thing because when did we get out of this recession and people start having options, things are gonna change. But there was a lot going on in the background that it was kind of a that perfect storm, I think, that when the conversation from my perspective changed, I was very involved in the HR arena at that time and our company was looking at changing the way we handled work hours and things like that when the recession hit and we actually rolled out a very um, progressive program during the middle of the recession, very afraid that it might be the wrong timing, but it turned out to be perfect. But I think there's been a lot quietly brewing for a while, and now it's much more mainstream. So engagement, employee engagement is a huge topic of conversation. The employee experience, when we're talking about onboarding, has, has, has become something that is not uh, snickered at anymore and it used to be people used to just focus on the bottom line it's you're lucky to have a job and um, obviously paying people well has had paying them correctly and fairly has had more attention I think a lot of companies believe I think that if you pay people well um, that how you treat them doesn't matter as much that people will say that money is the main driver but it's not anymore especially with the millennials and different generations that have different sets of values and priorities, but it's been an ongoing conversation. But for me, my experience was that about 10 years ago, it really got serious. I think that certainly does make sense. Like we need to look forward um, or look ahead rather when the economy does turn back around and people are going to have more options. Are they going to stay with us? Or are they going to look for, for different opportunities? So that definitely makes sense. I think that it's it's nothing but a good thing when there's more people talking about engagement, just like talking about wellness. And I think to a degree, there's probably similarities between those two things. But and and I think that there's a lot of need because depending on on what study or survey or whatever you're you're reading, engagement's pretty low. So why why do you think that is? It's, I, it always depresses me. I have to be honest when I read yeah. these statistics, but you're right. I saw something yesterday that had a 73% disengagement. I don't remember the source, but I was like, man, every time I see this, the number seems to get higher on disengagement. Mm-hmm. Today, people have so many choices. It's it's uh, you know job seekers market, but based on what we're seeing potentially coming, that could shift. But I, I think that the... The engagement piece has a lot to do with people recognizing that life is short. Um, there's a lot more thought leadership in, the, in that area that's getting to people. It's not just often the think tanks that are behind the scenes. It's mainstream. And people are trying to figure out, what do I do to make sure that I spend my days in a way that's going to make me feel good, that's going to be good for my family, and that I'll leave the kind of legacy that I want? And for that reason, if people are in jobs where they're just punching 
a clock, so to speak, maybe not literally, but in their mind, they, they are there just to get that paycheck and they aren't engaged which, as a company. If you've just gotten an employee's hands and their backs and not their hearts and their minds, that's you're at risk because people who are fully engaged with their hearts and their minds and they're living out their purpose and, and their passion and they're able to produce in an environment that's conducive to that and that supports that, they, people spend a lot of time at work and if they love their jobs, they will stay. It's a two-sided equation though. It's not just an employer's responsibility to make that happen. They obviously, it's like a gardener has to have the um, the ground ready and everything ready to nurture, but the seeds that come in have to fit that ground. So I really, when I step back and look at it, one thing I've come to really appreciate is that it's important for an, a person, an individual, to inspire himself or herself. You've got to figure out what is your purpose, your passion, and then what's your plan to get there? What do you ultimately aspire to do professionally and personally? What do you want to achieve? What would success look like if you achieve those aspirations? And then what do you have to do to get there? You've got to make good choices and you have to put that plan in place. So if I put myself in a position with a company that doesn't match that, it's partially my responsibility to figure that out at the interview point. And it's the responsibility of the employer to do really good interviews so that there's a, there's clarity about the match. There are some companies that are pretty hard driving. I would say, just as an example, a private equity firm or a, you know, a stockbroker, stock brokerage, where if you are a startup and you only need people who are willing to work 90 hours a week, give everything they've got just to the job, forget their lives, that's okay. It's not... I'm not judging that because I've worked in those situations and I understand it. But you, you have to be careful when you interview and hire that you are articulating the expectations clearly, not just about the competency needed for the job, but what the environment's going to call for, what, what the kinds of hours and commitment are needed. And then I, as the person who's considering that opportunity, need to be very careful about making the good decision for myself. So, I think that more people are trying to match up in that respect. And if the company does a good job of setting up an environment where they're getting the people in that are most likely the best fit and then treat them well, then it's a win-win. And if I select the right position for me that's likely to give me the fulfillment I want, that's great for everyone as well. So I do think it's a two-way street. Yeah. Well, so much great stuff there, Delta. I think that was all really, really well said, and I couldn't agree more. It is a two-way street. Um, you know, I, I believe that people seek a purpose-driven life, and I know that I do. I know that I find meaning in, in responsibility and in my work, and I'm sure that other people want that as well. Um, so it's incumbent upon the organization to to put their values out there and make them clear and known throughout the selection process, and then throughout the ongoing, just as not necessarily day-to-day, maybe, but then also for the employee, for, for the regular folks out there, guys like me and, and, and people like you, to do the work and understand, you know, this is the, the kind of work I'm interested in doing and the kind of organization that I want to partner with to, 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 to work for. And then when you can match it up, that's when you probably find a happy person. So, I agree. I agree completely with that. It's, it's a matter of communication. The reason I named my company Can You Hear Us built on the foundation that people within a company, if you have an organization, whether it's a five-person company or a, a you know, that 20,000 employees, 
there are voices telling you what you need to hear to respond in order to improve your culture. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that everybody wants you to do is going to happen, but if you keep a finger on the pulse of what people are saying, and I really focus with my clients on making sure that they have various listening points within a company. And if you're an employee in a company, you need to take advantage of those. So one is on the front end, after you've made that great hire, that you do stay interviews. And I've got a bank of questions and things that can be used or you can create, you know, they're easy to create, but you, at the 90 day point, 60 day point, at an appropriate point, you touch base with that person. It can be formal, it can be informal, it can be both, but find out basically how likely are they to stay? Have you had any surprises? Is this, is this what you expected? There's some really good questions you can ask to get into the head of your new employees and catch them and figure out if there's anything that needs to be done to, to keep them that you may not be aware of. On the back end, many companies do exit interviews, but that's, you get very valuable information there, and I'm a proponent of doing those and collecting that data and using it, not just stashing it away or um, never looking at that online data, but use that data to retroactively figure out, okay, what are our trends? What are people telling us? It's low-hanging fruit, things we can do something about. What are some things we didn't even know are blind spots that we need to work on? But uh, all along the way, there things, you can put culture councils in place in a company to let the voices of the employees constantly be heard. You can put benefits groups in place so that when you're designing benefits for your employees, you have representation from people at different levels and different parts of the organization. So I really believe that those listening points and solid communication um, throughout and having great managers, many people are promoted into management positions because they are experts at what they do technically or whatever the company's uh, business model calls for. But they get into those roles and they've not been set up for success because most people don't instinctively know how to manage people very well and they make a lot of mistakes. And some people don't want to manage people. They don't really like people. And that's okay. Right. <laughs> and you can, you can establish, I mean, they, they want to be in there doing their own thing and will be an expert at what they do, but they don't really want to be given that 20-person team. And I've lived in an organization where I saw that happen, and we, we really worked hard to figure out how can we have a career track for people who are great at what they do but don't want to manage. Because most people, most companies see progress within an organization occurs when you're promoted multiple times and more and more responsibility from a people standpoint. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. There's some creative ways to, to do that. But I think that, you know, the can you hear us again, back to my, my business paradigm is that if you're listening, the answers are out there and it, you can, uh, you can use analytics to figure it out too. And you can communicate back to people. Here's what you said. Um, thanks for your feedback. Here's what you said. Here's what we're doing in response to these three pieces of feedback. Here are a couple of things we're not too sure about. We're going to have to do more research on or we're confused. We need more information. You're, and if you have a culture council, they can go off and do the work to help you with that. But I think it's a big miss for a company not to take advantage of the, the creative thoughts and the candor that employees bring to the table when you ask them their opinions. They'll be honest with you and they'll your trust then builds because trust is huge and has to be there. People who will follow you over a cliff that trust you are those people that you've earned that trust. And a lot of that has to do with, with really healthy communication and being honest with them. Maybe even if that honesty might include, hey, you told us this, and unfortunately we're not going to be able to respond to this particular 
thing that, that you care about greatly. It may be a unique benefit that somebody wants to bring in or a lot of people are clamoring for that you can't accommodate. But if you're honest and you communicate ongoing, I think that makes a huge difference in the way people feel about coming to work every day. I think that that's so true. Um, yeah, and I, it, like like you said, it doesn't need to be this complicated thing. It just can be... It's checking in. It's it's letting people know that 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 you heard what they had to say once they did offer you input. So lots of great stuff for somebody who's listening that works in an organization that it's a quality organization, but but for whatever reason there's not a lot of solicitation of feedback, and they want to stay, they want to be engaged. How would you coach them to to say, hey, you know, to to speak up? That is a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Um, Gandhi, I, I, I immediately think of Gandhi. He said, we need to be the change that we want to see in the world. And I'm actually working with someone right now, coaching someone who is very frustrated. He loves his job, but he's very frustrated with the environment, that the culture that's in the company. He's not at a level where he can impact that greatly. However, he can't, and he thinks he can do nothing about it. He just, he loves the job, loves the people he works with. But, and I, we're talking about that. What, are, what is your circle of influence versus your circle of concern? Those are the two. If you consider you've got one small circle in the middle and then another on the outside. Circle of concern is on the outside. Those are the things. I can't do anything about those things. But that circle of influence, what can I influence? And I think it's a, it is very possible for a person who's one person to start making headway related to changing a culture, not by getting angry and beating fists on table and being just frustrated about it, but figuring out where you can get an ear, where you might make a suggestion and using constructive, healthy language to do that instead of saying, you guys are a bunch of idiots because you haven't <laughs> even thought about, you know, bringing this benefit in and we, we're all unhappy and we're all going to leave if you don't fix this that's probably not going to get you very far. <laughs> but if you if you approach that with a combination of courage and consideration, not just be courageous, but be considerate when you do it and say, hey, um, really appreciate the overview you just gave us for the benefits that are going to be rolling out for next year. I wondered if you'd be open to talking a little bit about some things I've discovered, become aware of that might be good for consideration for next year and ease into some conversation where you allow for a dialogue instead of a confrontation. I personally, uh, the, the 13-year journey that I, I had in my the corporate position I most recently held, I really was that person in many ways when I came in. I knew what I was getting into when I was picking up the HR responsibility. It was very rough around the edges. But I had to get in and figure out the lay of the land, it was a great company financially. I loved the people and everything else, but it was just I had to figure it out before I started coming in with my wrecking ball and my opinions about everything. They knew that I, I would be a transformative leader, but I had to be very gentle about that and respectful. And there were times when I really did want to shake someone and say, well, why in the world are you doing this? This is crazy. But And, it, and there were times when I got to know my CEO well enough, and he's, he's an awesome guy, founder of the company I, that I worked for. He, and he's very, very smart and he gets it. But when I got to the point that there was trust built and I had to prove myself in just fundamental ways with the tasks I had been given or the stewardship I had in the company to get the HR piece kind of in order and that was nuts and bolts. 
And then when it came to the culture side of it, I started pretty gently. In the first conversation we had, he literally called and he laughed about it. We've done presentations together and I almost threw her out of my office because I don't have time for that. But over, I didn't, you know, I approached him from multiple angles, multiple ways with the way he needed to be approached with data. So I would say to that person that's sitting in an organization that they love and they know it could be better, there are ways you can help be that change. It's very fulfilling to do that. And if you need someone to talk to that can help you figure out how you would approach something, don't, you know, test it on someone. You can do a role play with someone and say, I'm thinking about taking this approach. Um, it takes a little time and effort to do that, but I, one of the biggest things I've learned through the years is that being a good listener, um, being courageous and considerate, and learning to empathically listen to someone else, listen to their point of view. Don't just come in with yours. I mean, don't leave yours completely out of the equation, but be, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood. That's Stephen Covey, who's the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, my all-time favorite book, uh, speaks greatly about how you handle empathic listening and it's a very uh, disarming thing to do and, and very you're vulnerable because you are listening not with the intent to reply but but with to just to understand how's that person feeling and what are they saying and making sure they feel understood and then it's your turn to be understood so that's where the the courtesy comes in so much great stuff i love it well delta Thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, I my Twitter is Delta Emerson. It's one M and Emerson. I've got a LinkedIn profile is out there. And canyouhearus.com is my website. And my email address is delta at canyouhearus.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Delta your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Follow her on Twitter and LinkedIn and check out her website at canyouhearus.com. Thanks again, Delta. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about How do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!